Hello, I'm Simon Field and I'm here to present a tribute to a person born as Clive Carlson, but for everybody here at Radio Glamorgan who met him was known as King Carlo or Carlo King. I was going to meet Carlo for the first time as a brand new Raw presenter in the mid-1980s with my first weekday evening show. And before meeting Carlo, I'd been spoken to by the then chairman who made it very plain that although Carlo's real name was Clive, he was was only ever to be referred to in Radio Glamorgan as King Carlo or Carlo King and he would not answer to the name Clive. For as long as I can remember, Carlo had the Monday evening slot between 8 and 10 on Radio Glamorgan and I'd been given the slot ahead of that between 6 and 8. And the person on between 4 and 6 was someone called Kevin Thomas. Now, when I used to turn up around 10 minutes early for my show, I would see the end of Kevin Thomas before me, and he struck me as being the epitome of a professional-type DJ. All his programme was meticulously worked out in advance, structured with items and then songs, and he had the smooth, very professional delivery style. So it was really no surprise when Kevin soon moved on from Radio Glamorgan to the expanding commercial radio scene at the time in South Wales, including stints on Red Dragon Radio. On the other hand, after I finished my show at 8 o'clock, I was lucky if King Carlo actually turned up more than a minute before my show was due to end. He'd normally come crashing through the door, often with one or two followers, with boxes of records in hand, and I would look rather aghast, uh, certainly at first, and then say, oh, Carlo, it's a bit late. Um, Do you want me to put on an extra track in order to give you time to settle down? And he'd always say, no, no, that's fine, I'll take over straight away. And uh, I have memories of my last record finishing with about about 15 seconds to go, and Carlo kept starting to sit down down and talk on the microphone even before he had a record ready to play and as he was talking his hand would automatically dip into his box of records he'd pick something out just check to make sure he was putting on the a side and then as he was talking he'd be putting on the record and then starting it and then that was it and those of you around at the time may remember a presenter called emperor roscoe who was uh, very much loud american style in your face and that was the person that King Carlo reminded me of. Carlo used to play a wide range of music, anything from uh, soul up towards the Rolling Stones and rock. One of his favourites was Tamla Motown and one of the records I remember him playing as he breezed in and started his programme as he was talking and uh, selecting a record. And this is one I remember him choosing called Superstition. Mando 
Wonder and Superstition, one of the tracks that I remember Carlo playing when his show used to follow mine there. He used to broadcast between 8 and 10 on Monday evenings in the mid-1980s here on Radio Glamorgan. During this tribute programme, we'll be hearing from other members of Radio Glamorgan who knew Carlo, some from a number of years ago, others from more recently, but all will talk about the impact that he had on their lives. And we'll also be hearing from some of the people outside of Radio Glamorgan who knew Carlo or Clive uh, from uh, other aspects of his life. And we're also hoping to speak to Carlo's two children, Daniel and Carleen, about their experiences of growing up uh, as a child with Carlo as their father and how he used to bring them into the studio quite often and what the experience was like for them. But before we hear from them, I thought I'd play another piece of music. Now, Carlo was a big fan of music from the 70s, especially the glam rock era. He was a big fan of this over-the-top sound and production. And at some of the charity fundraising events that he did, he would dress up as very much an over-the-top character from the glam rock era and go dancing around the dance floor. And one of the tracks that I remember him playing, he was a big fan of music by The Sweet and David Bowie. And one track I remember him dancing to is this one by David Bowie. This is Jean Genie. Small Jean Genie snuck off to the city, strung out on lasers and slashback blazers, and ate all your razors while pulling the waders, talking about Monroe and walking on Snow White. New York's a go-go and everything tastes nice. Poor little greenie.
My name's Simon Field, and uh, this is the tribute show that we're doing to uh, Carlo King, our late colleague, a uh, man of uh, many parts. Uh, I've talked about uh, some of the uh, fundraising he did as uh, discos, and um, the uh, some of the, well, my first occasion when I came across him as a radio presenter. I'm delighted to say that uh, we have some guests in the studio for the next part of the show. Uh, we've got uh, Mark Gorman, who we're going to hear from later, who uh, used to work with Carlo. But first, I want to introduce Carlene and Daniel, uh, who are Carlo's uh, children. Uh, welcome to uh, the tribute show. Delighted uh, that you could make it. Just uh, just give us a, a sort of sense of, um, because we all uh, uh, understand here as Carlo being a sort of larger than life character. What was it like as children for you um, when you were growing up and being aware of things he used to do, like his fundraising and uh, shows here on Radio Glamorgan? Um, so I remember Dad um, always having a lot of equipment around the house. Um, so basically, under the stairs, we used to always have um, speakers, uh, DJ decks. I remember him testing the lights and changing all the light bulbs out. Um, we used to always go to car boots on the weekend or the charity shop and he used to get really excited about a new vinyl or a new CD that was out in the stores. Um, and I and I also remember his wild uh, wardrobe choices. Um, he used to have leopard, <laughs> leopard <laughs> leggings, and gold boots and um, flamboyant hats with horns. Um, but he would do anything just to get people to laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So he he never really had male clothing. He had anything <laughs> goes clothing. <laughs> And and then um, what what sort of stage was it that you actually started to or both of you would um, come along to the studio with him to the uh, the Radio Glamorgan studio and actually get involved or something in uh, the, the radio programs he was presenting at the time. So I remember my dad always taking me to the radio, but I think I actually started when I was about sixteen, and. Um, I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise because he got me um, out of my comfort zone. So he got me to speak um, much more confidently mm. um, and um, interview various guests as well. Um, but I think it was when I was 16 in the old studio. So it was downstairs in the basement. The very warm studio. <laughs> yeah. Very warm, yes. And I remember the... Um, the wrapping on the um it was almost on the pipes or something. yeah all yeah. on the pipes yeah. orange yeah. i think it was yeah. and we used to go down in in into this room and um, there was all vinyl all along the wall and the studio was at the back but it had a window into another part mm. yeah yeah um yeah i i can see it now and um dad you saw us try and get me to do the one hour show and i was so scared about it i thought oh no i'm gonna rab it like i'm doing now uh, <laughs> <laughs> um what, I, just like your dad used to <laughs> no he was very good because he used to have all these kind of one-liners and um almost like a script 
where I was literally thrown in the deep end. But he used to go, yeah, you did really well this week. Too um, hot to trot and too cool to tango. Was that <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, it, yeah, that's one of them, yeah. Um, Daniel, I wanted to uh, just uh, go to you because we're going to play one of the tracks that uh, Carlo used to regularly play. Uh, was this one he often used to open his programmes with, start his programmes with? This is uh, Stardust and uh, music sounds better with you. Yeah, it, it was. I would often um, hear him put that on at the beginning of his show. Obviously, he did have a, you know, entrance songs. <laughs> yeah. But um, this is the one that really stuck with me because it was it was vibrant, it was fast, it was quick, a bit like him, his yeah. personality. Yeah. Um, and I still hear it on the news on the radio. Sorry, um, in the car, and it just brings me back to that zone when I was sitting here watching him because I start well, I was here from probably eight years old and then I'd listen to him playing all the songs from the 60s to now okay well let's imagine Carlo as we listen to Stardust and the mm. music sounds better with you
That's uh, Stardust and the music sounds better with you. And it probably did sound better with King Collar than it did with me. But um, I'm here in the studio with uh, Carlo's children, Daniel and Carleen. Now, um, I understand Carlo was born in um, uh, Camborne in Cornwall uh, back in 1945. Just happened to be the same year as Bob Marley. We might come back to that later. Um and he moved to South Wales in 1976. So um, have you got an understanding or, um, you know, what was the reason? Uh, were you ever told why he did that, why he moved? You know, because it would have been at, at the age of about 31, you know. So he mm-hmm. obviously established himself as a bit of a life um, in Cornwall, in Camborne then. So do you know what was behind the sudden move to South Wales? Um, well, one story that he used to say was that, he became so well known in Cornwall because Cornwall is quite a small area, right? And everyone seemed to know him because he did a lot of um, discos and charity work, and he was always in the media. So you said he was on Opportunity Knocks, and he did rather well in that, and he had a chance to record songs, mm. and then um, he was doing like his own music on the radio, and he said he he left Cornwall to get away from well if you could call it fame or people know knew him too well and he wanted to get out of there so um he had opportunities to go to london or wales and thankfully he chose he chose wales ah, south right. wales yeah so so did, did he have any contacts in south wales that you know that he came to or was it just he had an opportunity to go you know, I don't f- think he to did. work in South Wales or something. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So work. he he basically um, learnt hairdressing, um, and actually he was a Butlin's red coat for Bog- Bognor Regis oh, right, yeah. and um, Mined. Mm. Now he used to do the the hairdressing, um, and I remember him saying he used to have to uh, wash everyone's hair and sweep up. But so I think he was like an apprentice at that time. But then he would be doing the singing in the night because um, he was a red coat. So he, he kind of did like both both things. Mm. Um, but he, he was very much a sociable character and he, he just took any opportunity that was in his way. And um, when he was doing his hairdressing, I think he did it in Camborne? Cornwall Technical Corn- College. Yeah, Cornwall mm. Technical technical college Mm. and then i think he then um trained as a teacher or or somehow got that kind of um skill and then he accepted a job in ponty preve college um and i think he did have a chance to go to worcestershire as well Mm. uh, but he decided to go to Ponty. He right. said it was closer to Cornwall, yeah. so he could go back to his mum. Yeah. Ah, right, he was very yeah. family oriented. So. Yeah, 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 okay. Um, well, you were talking about Cornwall. We've actually um, been able to find uh, a song. He actually, he actually recorded a couple of songs on uh, what a radio station at the time. This is from the early 1970s, so the quality is not brilliant. Um, and it's very, it's, uh, it sounds like the morning news magazine show. And it's very formal BBC people um, who introduced him. I think one of them was Frank Wintle, but I'm not sure about that. But um, in the morning uh, programme, 
uh, over a couple of days, um, they pl actually played songs that uh, Carlo wrote and performed. So uh, let's have a listen to one of those, and uh, you can tell me your recollections about this afterwards. This is uh, Carlo King from the early 1970s, uh, recorded on a very old uh, cassette recorder with a microphone. This is called The Weather Song. Anyway, no extra charge now. We've got a weather song, which we thought was rather appropriate to this summer. It's written and sung by a Cornish disc jockey called Carlo King and comes from Cornish. Every day is just the same, nothing much to do. Waiting for the sun to shine, maybe for an hour or two. When it rains, for thoughts of blue, go and have a pint or two. Now the kids are away with Slot machines always near, bingo stalls never fear, music playing in the crowd, all the people shouting loud, beating biscuits from our hand, some falling on the sand, never mind the weather, tomorrow may be better. Take a trip along the coast, where we know it's good for most, take our tea, let us be, it's a life for you and me. Children playing in the sand, a bucket and spade in each hand. Two weeks off a year, all the rain will soon be here. We must book a tour tomorrow, that's for sure. Follow the sun so we please everyone. French bread rolls in the morning, maybe Spanish omelets too. Let's forget the weather, oh, next year maybe. Just saying nothing much to do Waiting for the sun to shine Maybe for an hour or two When it's raining the thoughts are blue Go and have a pint or two Now the kids are away with the missus Oh hip hip hooray The rain is going away Oh hip hip hooray The rain is going away Come and came from well, there you go. Uh, that was uh, Carlo King from uh, sometime, we think it was in the early 1970s, uh, recorded live on BBC Southwest. Um, and that was the weather song. So um, what what are your memories of uh, of uh, Carlo as a sort of singer-songwriter? I, Well, especially around Christmas, I remember I would, I would be upstairs and randomly I would just hear the guitar strumming and I, I thought it was a telly at first, but Dad would be sitting on the couch um, creating new songs and even re-practising those songs, like Walk Along the Sun and the Weather Song and that. Oh. It was normally for performances, live performances, like um, Christmas Fates and stuff, you know, and we would sing with him. But that was my first recollection of him practising and making new material. So so w would he actually do an entire concert of him singing songs or was it like in the mixture of doing a, being a DJ and he'd do, or, or would he be performing with other people as well? Um, so when he was at the college, um, he used to do a lot of shows, like hairdressing shows, um, to, to promote the college mm. and the talent within the college. But then he also used to rope us in uh, to kind of fill the gap, so so to speak, or or make it a little bit more interesting for the crowd. 
So, um, so would you be singing those songs as well? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh. Well, initially it was Dad's songs, but then he used to bring us into it, and um, he used to teach us about stage mm -hmm. presence and. You would sing the high notes. Yeah. <laughs> she would sing the um, end. The end. So he very much uh, got us involved. I think it was easy childcare as well, but um, it was also trying to bring us. Into the Bring world, us into yeah. the, um, the limelight as well. I, I remember there was an article at the time that said you were in the same school year as Charlotte Church. So, yes. Um, yeah, so... Did, um, did he ever rope Charlotte Church into performing with you? Or, or no. no. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the sort of thing you'd try and uh, make happen, though, surely. If um, yeah, so the article did say initial bid for stardom, um, but it was the youngest DJ in South Wales. And Dad used to make stories out or anything just to just to promote things and get people involved um he used mm. to do it for various charities not only radio Gamorgan, but it used to be for cancer research wales bernardo's in pontypridd um he did a lot for <laughs> everyone yeah. Yeah. um i do remember when i was really really young though um he used to do a lot of hairdressing shows and charity shows in the Rhonda Heritage Park. Okay. And I remember, I must have been really, really small because I was hiding behind his DJ deck because I wasn't allowed to be out there. So I, I, must, have, I must have been about six or something. Mm. And I was hiding but watching everything that was going on and being embarrassed by my dad but then really... <laughs> really really happy at the same time and um yeah it must have been in the 90s because they used to have really wild hair like back comb and um face paint and i think they did like cats <laughs> mm. so um yeah it was good times it was um w one of the things that you just mentioned there about being happy even though being a bit sort of oh my goodness that's my dad um one of the uh one, one of the the, uh, the other tracks I, I know we regularly played was uh Shanice and I wonder if it was because it was the title of the song I Love Your Smile because um he generally you know certainly my memory of him at Radio Glamorgan he was generally a happy sort of person mm -hmm. and so on and you know would that be true to say he was a bit like that at home or you know when he was out was that your memory of him as a yeah. or, or, or or was he you know did he have like many people do you know their sort of sad moods and angry moods and I think he could switch it on and off but he wasn't sad but he was it was like he would he would take off his performance hat okay. and put on his like family hat so he would like love watching um what's it called uh Antiques Roadshow. Okay. But when I was very young, I wasn't interested in antiques. So I would be like crying. He'd be like, yes, it's my show. And he'd watch <laughs> the news. So I'd have to run upstairs. Okay. And obviously, as I aged, I appreciate it more. But he was very... He didn't watch much telly. Mm -hmm. He only watched real things. He didn't like films or anything. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, like, I think he watched Titanic with you. But that was real. <laughs> well, yeah, so, <laughs> to an extent, so, yeah. it was real, you yeah. know. So, Basically, Dad took me to, well, Carlo King, but Dad. Mm. He took me to the to watch the Titanic at um, the in Rabina. There used to be a cinema near um, Manor Way. Oh yes, the Monaco. Yeah. Yes, the Monaco. Yes, the Monaco. Yes. So 
I have never seen a film in the cinema with Dad. Okay. So he went, right, we're going to watch Titanic. I think he thought it was educational, yeah. and it really wasn't. <laughs> and I was 16, embarrassed, learning for the first time what was going on in that film. Yeah. And I didn't know where to look. And my dad was like, well, that wasn't what I, what <laughs> I was expecting. I was expecting a documentary on the side. And I've only, I've only ever seen one film with him, and that's The Da Vinci Code. Okay, so yeah, you yeah. thought that would be educational as well. So. But most of the time, I don't think many people saw him sad or mm-hmm. stressed. Mm. If anything, they used to see his barking mad side. Mm. And um, he would have one-liners. He would fool around. Um, he used to surprise and entertain anyone, um, whether it be the, the cashier in you know, Asda, or or whether it'd be the lady on the street that you just walk past, mm. he would try and make everyone happy or everyone smile. Well, it sounds like an appropriate time to play uh, Shanice then with uh, "I Love Your Smile."
You're listening to a tribute uh, to the late Carlo King. One of the uh, stars of Radio Glamorgan here uh, broadcasting from the University Hospital of Wales at the Heath in Cardiff. That was uh, one of the tracks that uh, he regularly used to play, Shanice, I Love Your Smile. And um, as we just heard from uh, Carla's children, uh, Daniel and Carleen, that uh, he often used to try and put a smile on people's faces uh, in life. Now, uh, someone who I introduced at the start, we haven't heard uh, much from uh, so far is uh, Ma- um, Mark Gorman. So, Mark, how did you get to uh, how did you get to meet uh, Carlo in the first place? I initially met Carlo through uh, his work at what was then known as Pontypridd College, uh, where he was teaching. Where he taught for a number of years um, when I started there back in the late nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. And um, through getting to know uh, Carlo, I got to know. Daniel and Carleen, and uh, I did begin coming to the studio and uh, sitting in on a number of the shows, and uh, certainly finding it uh, a very entertaining experience. <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to say we have heard from um, you know some people uh, already about uh, about their experiences. How, <laughs> how you know how how would you describe it? You know, from the start, because I assume you used to you used to turn up at the start with him. Yes, that's right. Uh, I go to the house we'd we'd come here uh i would see carlo getting into the uh, into the swing of things very quickly and i would also notice how um the the, the whole studio would come alive as as soon as he began um and i always remember some of his uh, catchphrases he would always talk about uh, uh playing music to uh, quiver your liver and crack your back and um <laughs> he'd also say things like have mercy mr percy with that wonderful cornish accent that yeah. uh, was fantastic to listen to uh, i um i must admit the first time i heard him or the first few times i heard him it used to bring to mind to me um uh, a radio one dj at the time called the emperor roscoe and yes. uh, he used to and i used to think who's modelling themselves on who out of this? You know, <laughs> yes. is, uh, has Emperor Roscoe heard Carlo, or has Carlo heard um, the Emperor Roscoe? I think Emperor Roscoe must have heard Carlo. Well, I think there's a, there's a good chance. Um, and now, is is there a, a particular track uh, amongst the many? Because I know he used to play, uh, you know, a range of uh, musical styles. Um, was there was there one track that you remember him? <laughs> at that tempo one, I'm sure, that um, he regularly used to play. There's, there's a number that stick in my mind, but one in particular, um, Desmond Decker, the Israelites. In the morning, slaving for bread, sir, so that every mouth can be fed. In the morning, sleeping for bread, sir, so that every mouth can be fed. Oh, 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 oh,
I believe that was the first uh, number one reggae single in the UK singles chart, The Israelites, by Desmond Decker and the Aces. One of the uh, tracks regularly played by uh, Carlo King on his hospital radio, Radio Glamorgan shows. Uh, my name's Simon Field. This is a tribute to uh, Carlo King or King Carlo. That, those are the only two names we're allowed to uh, call him, or certainly that's what I was told. I uh, wasn't allowed to call him by his real name, Clive Carlson, because uh, while he was at Radio Glamorgan, he was either King Carlo or Carlo King. Um, <laughs> Daniel and um, Carleen, uh, d- d- did you get any sense of this um, uh, fact that Carlo used to so almost like compartmentalise his life? So I remember at his funeral, there were people there from the church who never knew he did hospital radio. There were people there from you know the other charities he was involved in that didn't know other parts they're all you know and, and it was almost like he he wanted to keep them all separate that's what it appeared like to me i just wondered mm. if you if that if that ever appeared as, as yeah. a thing to you um maybe he learned the lesson from cornwall mm. so when he came to south wales he was like no i'm just going to separate them um but at the funeral i did say that my dad was like an onion mm. so many layers and each layers were very se- very separate Mm. Um, and at at the funeral as well I found out that he was buying things for all these different people so in my head I was thinking oh he's a massive holder he's buying all these random stuff Mm. but then I found out that the next door neighbour had loads of mini uh, elephants no (laughs) mini the car uh, mini, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it was elephants as well. Yeah. There was yeah. one woman with so elephants. Our next door neighbour had loads of mini memorabilia. Then um, there was another lady that came up to me and said, Oh, um, I love elephants. So dad used to find all these random elephants and give it to him. Mm. Uh, give it to her, sorry. Then there was another person that really, really loved Elvis. So anything he found of on Elvis that was hers mm. and it was like hang on a minute you're buying for all these people <laughs> well mm. one thing I was going to I was going to um, read out later was a tribute from Howard Watt who uh, helped Carlo in his later life uh, to still come to the studio and the meetings even though um, Carlo couldn't sort of provide his own transport so Howard used to drive him and one of the things he said in his tribute was the fact that um for as long as he knew him, Carlo couldn't go past a charity shop without going in. <laughs> yeah. And he said he would yeah. always go into a charity shop and he said he would always run. So he'd always buy something. And he said he remembered once he picked up a trombone. And he, <laughs> and oh, I could tell you a story about that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Me, me and my partner, um, we were helping my dad uh, with his washing because it got out of hand. Mm. Um, so we were trying to get all the washing into baskets to try and hopefully put it away in his bedroom and we found the trombone under the table my dad didn't say anything all he knew was that he was caught rumbled and he was like 
oh no, they found it. <laughs> and we pulled it out and went, what is this doing under the table? <laughs> Where have you got this from? And he, he just couldn't say anything. He was, was laughing. He was caught red-handed, yeah, oh, right. like a kid stealing out of a sweet jar yeah. or cookie jar. <laughs> just before we um, uh, finish about the, the, the Cornwall part, Although he he moved uh, to South Wales in 1976, and um, I think you said at one point that he'd intended to go back, but he never did permanently. But you used to go there every year for holidays, mm. didn't you? Yeah, so um, we we had family there, and he had great friends there. Um, so we always it was kind of there was a, a set itinerary to, from Dad. So he was like. We have to see Nanny. We have to see this person. We have to see that person. We ha- and it was regular. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I used to hate it for that reason. It never felt like holiday. It felt like a chore. But when he passed away, we had so many people go, oh, my God, your dad. Can we send you these pictures? Oh, your dad was such a character. I remember him. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then we had Cornish... Um, online um, newspaper, a bit like South Wales, eh, Wales Echo, Online. Yeah. Wales Online. Mm. They went, "Can we do an article?" Because we all, we all know him, and it was just astonishing how so many people knew him and knew what he was like, mm. and the person he was. Okay, so let's play the uh, the second song that Carla King recorded in the early nineteen seventies that was broadcast on uh, BBC Southwest in uh, Devon and Cornwall, I think it was. This is called Walk on the Sand. Yeah, the quality does improve. Thank you. 
On air. All day. Every day. Broadcasting from the largest hospital in Wales. We are Radio Glamorgan. That's Children by Robert Miles. 
Another favourite track of uh, the uh, King Carlos uh, shows here on uh, Hospital Radio, Radio Glamorgan. Uh, I'm here in the studio along with uh, Carlene and Daniel. And before that, we played uh, a track uh, or song written and performed by uh, Carlo King on uh, BBC Southwest in the early 1970s. Apologies for the quality of that, particularly at the start. That was called Walk on the Sand. And... Um, you both uh, tell me that you learned both of those songs, and uh, Daniel, you told the story about when you used to lie on the lie on the carpet or something. You know, <laughs> and, and well, just listening to that track, it just brings back memories of me in the living room, all set up. Dad would have the stool and the the music paper stand, and you'd be shouting upstairs, "Daniel, come and get down here!" <laughs> and we would practice for an hour or so these songs and I remember this one and I would be on the left hand side of dad he would be in the middle with the guitar Carlene would be on the right and it would be like we were preparing to go on stage and he, and this is like how we were going to be when we were practicing for the Christmas concerts at the local church in um, Whitchurch and, and that's just the memories I get and then also I remember when we had to record that song in a, a proper studio in Cardiff Bay and I, I think I was about 11 maybe around that age and it's just surreal because at that age i didn't fully appreciate what he was getting me to do i think i just felt like i just had to go i don't know what i thought Mm. but looking back it was brilliant for you know growing up in confidence so i've always had that music in me put for put in me by dad you know we're, we're a music family Okay, and, and so uh, we go from that to when you uh, used to come in um, to the studio uh, with uh, your dad, uh, partly because it was a, a child care issue, <laughs> and um, <laughs> how we used to get you involved, and um, you tell me about um, this uh, theme from the show, uh, Bear in the Blue House. Uh, so we've got the introduction of that, and then I'm going to ask you, uh, apparently what you did you sort of modified this didn't you uh, with your own lyrics yeah I, I think it was on CBBC or Channel 4 kids yeah. shows because I was at that age and I just remember the ending when the bear would sing with the moon and it was really catchy and I don't know if I just said to Carlene we should sing this but change the lyrics to suit the the show because mm-hmm. we used to do it, like the family, the, we did the radio show together. So I changed the lyrics and we said yeah. we would sing and we would take certain lines to fit the agenda. And that was a good ending. And Dad, I think Dad really liked it that we were taking part in the show. Right, Especially well, me, because you were, Carlene was behind the decks and I was more of a, you know, I was there. But I felt, maybe he thought I felt like I was getting involved well i don't know what the difference is between the intro and the outro but i've got the intro lined up so uh, hopefully you'll recognize this anyway and mm. i don't know uh, how different the uh, outro is but uh, have a listen to this i certainly hadn't heard of this at the time so i'm obviously the wrong era this is the introduction to uh, bear in the blue house Here. 
Right, so that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't the one you that was the intro. Yeah. Let's see if I can get the outro. Let's see if this works. This is gonna be a live one. Let's see if this works. Hmm. That doesn't seem to be working at all, does it? We can't hear anything from that. Uh hmm. Okay, well uh, <laughs> I'll try and see if I can uh, sort that out in the meantime. But um T- tell us what you used to do with um, with uh, the outro of uh, Bearing the Blue House. You used to change the words or something, didn't you, to fit the end of the so- uh, end of the show? Yeah, so I f- I can't remember it completely off by heart, but it was just it was more towards the end because the first part was fine. Yeah, like hey, this was very fun, as in the show. We we hoped you liked it too, as in for the audience that were listening. Seems like we'd just be going suddenly we're through. And then goodbye, goodbye, goodbye good, good friends, friends goodbye. goodbye. And now we have to go. Mm. Um, it's it's like trying but, to get it. But back. we'll see you very soon. I know. Yeah, it was it was similar. It was only a few words of each line, but it seemed to fit the yeah. show. And 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 once we did it. Dad was like, right, you're doing it every week now. <laughs> <laughs> right, hang on, I've got another go now. I'll see if, I'll see if this works this time. Biting up the sky. Um, Luna, do you have time to sing a goodbye song before you go? Always bear. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it too. Seems like we've just begun when, when suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye Cause now it's time to go But hey, I say, well that's okay Cause we'll see you very soon, I know Very soon, I know Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye And tomorrow just like today The moon, the bear, and the big blue house We'll be waiting for you to come and play To come and play To come and play Bye now Yeah, that's just brought it back to me. So I, you, we used to sing Carlo, Carleen and Danny Boy. Yeah. We'll be seeing you again very soon. Something like that. So we didn't, obviously we didn't say the moon and all that. And tomorrow, <laughs> see you tomorrow. So so how did you actually start doing that? Whose idea was I it? Think it was mine. It was your idea? Yeah. That, oh, right, I, okay. I don't know how it Dad, happens. It just <laughs> Dad loved any, any creative... Uh, idea and he was like yes we're gonna go and do that and if it was good he was like right you're doing it next week you're doing it the week after (laughs) all right every week then (laughs) as as long as it worked oh that's uh yeah (laughs) it's very good memories that is that's good and and um so um I, I know it's uh, it's uh, you're both actually in training aren't you to do your own shows um on 
on the Radio Glamorgan. You've had some training, I certainly, I certainly know. <laughs> and um, or you're still waiting to be called. Or yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I know it's been difficult since the pandemic. Um, so I, I, as far as I know, um, Carlo's uh, slot on a Monday evening is still available. So um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to be available to you when uh, when when you are ready. But uh, certainly, they haven't found anyone to replace. Uh, <laughs> Carlo, um, so far, um, I tell you what, we're gonna. We're, I'm, I'm gonna come back to uh, Mark in a minute, and also um, play uh, some tributes that we've had from other members of Hospital Radio. And um, uh, we, I've got this one I mentioned before from uh, Howard Watt. But um, I know everybody uh, I've spoken to about um, uh, Carlo when he talked about what music he likes and what music he used to play. Um, M- many of them mention his uh, Mick Jagger impression he used to do. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something he used to do on the on the shows uh, on, on on the he, radio shows? Yeah, he used in live discos. He'd be behind the deck, but as soon as the Rolling Stones come on, he'd walk around the front, prodding his finger oh, right. back <laughs> and forth like Mick Jagger does on stage, and then dance. He'd stand up on stools in the bar and on the table. Right. You know, he was just mental. He was. I, crazy. I remember. Um, when the studio um, came up here in front of the coffee shop and you've got all the people yeah. passing, as soon as he's off air, off the mic, he'd be dancing in the window, getting them all smiling and and really interacting with them. And he would be encouraging patients to pick up the phone to talk to him. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't just one person behind a window. He was very much the entertainer as well as the voice okay well let's remember as the entertainer with this uh, rolling stones track this is start me up
the Rolling Stones and Start Me Up. And I think I saw Colleen and Daniel doing their Mick Jagger impress, impression. Uh, <laughs> or, no or, comment. <laughs> or, or it might have been their impression of their father's uh, Mick Jagger impression as well. I didn't well. do him justice. <laughs> <laughs> Could anyone do him justice? No. Uh, right, so um, what I'm going to play now, because all we've heard so far from Carlo is uh, those songs he uh, recorded and broadcast on BBC Southwest, we have been able to find uh, a couple of very short clips from our archive, uh, one from 2015 and one from 2017, so you get an appreciation of uh, how Carlo sounded on the air. Well, we go then, sad at the BGs. Hope you like that one. You should be dancing at 16 past the hour of 8 o'clock tonight. You're in tune with Carlo. Nice to have you or company, wherever you may be. Loose as a goose, high in the sky. I wonder why the number one DJ Double K. Have mercy out there. We got some rock and roll after 9 o'clock tonight. Johnny Nash. Oh, there we go then. If you had your flu jab yet, just remember, go to your doctor and make sure that you contact him right away. And that's from Carlo. Just remember that. You don't want to get the flu, do you? Well, no, I hope you don't. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. If you hadn't picked up um, the sort of character that Carlo was, uh, that will give you... Um, a bit of a taste of um, how he used to be through uh, most of his shows. Um, I just wanted to read out um, a couple of tributes that we had from members of Radio Glamorgan. Um, the first one of these is from Roger Thomas, who's a long-standing member, former treasurer, um, who was involved in some of the early, uh, who was involved in Carlo early, early on. I don't know if he's actually trained by Carlo, but um, he does the total opposite of a Carlo show. But he said, uh, Carlo was a man with a wonderful Cornish sense of humour. Every time I met him, either in the street or in the studio, his attitude to life made me smile and cheered me up. I will miss this wonderful character who epitomised Hospital Radio Glamorgan. He will be sadly missed. And uh, this one from Jill Brinkworth, who said, as a newish volunteer, I didn't really know Carlo that well, but uh, people like him really inspired me and others like me. And uh, we've got a couple of audio tributes as well. This is uh, one from uh, presenter Richard Manning, and then I've got one from uh, Radio Glamorgan's uh, current uh, chairman, uh, Jamie Pritchard. Hello, I'm Richard Manning. And I've been a volunteer with Radio Glamorgan for more than 10 years. I first met the one and only Carlo King in 2011. Back then, my show went out on Monday evenings, 6 to 8. I prepared my first show very carefully, making notes about the music I wanted to play. I was nervous during the show, but it didn't go, it didn't go too badly. I put that down to the training I received from Roger Thomas, John Webber and the late Michael Boyce. With a few minutes to go, in burst Carlo, and after a hello, he got ready to take over at eight o'clock. All he had was a bag of CDs, some of which he piled up to the right of the hot seat. He took over at eight, and I stayed for a while to watch him in action. No notes, usually just, just he just said the title of the track and who it was by. I suppose there really is more than one way to skin a moggy. We got on well and chatted at the volunteers' meetings. Soon I found out how much he'd been a part of the station's development for decades, and could only, belatedly, Congratulate him on all he did throughout his life, tragically cut short. Well done, Carlo. 
When I joined Radio Glamorgan in 2003, Carlo was a name I'd mentioned quite a bit on a Sunday as we'd throw forward to shows on the Monday where he presented his between 8 and 10 in the evening. What a character. So energetic, very knowledgeable about his music, loud but in a good way and just a great person to be around. I remember we were having a schedule shake-up a few years back when I was in charge of programmes and I suggested moving Carlo to another day. Put it this way, it didn't end up happening. When I mentioned it to him, he said, you can try and move me, but I'm still coming in on a Monday night. So we left him in that slot. And I learned a very valuable lesson. Never mess with the best. What a man, a great asset to Radio Glamorgan. Right, so those were um, tributes. Uh, first of all, a written tribute from Roger Thomas. Then uh, it was Jill Brinkworth. And the audio tributes were by presenter Richard Manning and current chairman of Radio Glamorgan, Jamie Pritchard. Uh, Mark, I'm going to come back to you because uh, you met uh, Carlo um, initially outside of Hospital Radio. You met him in a work setting, even though you weren't actually doing the uh, same course or the you know the same area as he was. So how did you how, how did you actually get to meet him and sort of get on with him? Uh, yes, as you correctly say, um, Carlo and myself were in totally different departments in the college, teaching totally different subjects. Uh, however, I remember. Very soon after I'd started working at the college, um, chatting with him and some of his other colleagues in the in the canteen uh, at the college, and um, realising from the off that, uh, on the one hand, he was certainly a very colourful and entertaining character, but at the same time, uh, he was a very long-serving member of staff at the college and, and actually very well respected as as a teacher in his subject. And I think it was mentioned earlier that um, an awful lot of the local barbers and hairdressers have actually got connections with Carlo in that uh, he actually taught them at the college. Uh, but, yes, certainly that's how I met him initially at what was then known as Pontypridd College. Mm. And, uh, as I mentioned, uh, then got to know Daniel and Carlene and the family and started coming down to the uh, the studio uh, there is one incident that sticks in my mind uh, about Carlo, a work-related incident. All <laughs> oh, right, good. Yeah. Uh, it, I remember we had um, a union meeting, and most of the staff at the college were in this union meeting, and, okay. and it was at a time when the college was going through a, a great deal of um, restructuring, and there was a lot going on at the college. And pretty much everyone was in this very large uh, lecture theatre, and all of the, the union officials were in the front of the theatre, and just before the meeting was about to begin, Carlo kind of boosts through the door, <laughs> and again in this very, very strong Cornish accent and very loudly shouted with his with his fist <laughs> clenched in the air, "Power to the people!" <laughs> and uh, it totally, um, it, it totally changed the whole atmosphere within uh, the room. Yeah. What had been a very serious, um, slightly <laughs> solemn atmosphere changed completely, and that was the sort of thing that he could do. He could yeah. do that in work in the same way that he could do it in many other settings yeah. as well. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Um, so, uh, did you get involved in any, any other aspect of his sort of outside work life, apart from Andrew Glamorgan? You know, we t- we've heard about some of these other um, charities he was involved in. Did you get involved in those at all? Uh, I wasn't specifically involved in some of the charity work. However, um, one thing we had in common was that, um, like myself, Clive was um, a classic car enthusiast and okay. owned an old 1950s Lotus. So I used to regularly meet up with Clive at some of the local classic car events. Ah, um, so, okay. And a lot of those um, were in aid of various uh, charities. So in that in that respect, uh, 
there was a connection with the charity work as well. Mm. Okay, thank. Well, we're going to have um, we're getting near to the end of uh, our tribute show. Uh, I know we could go on for hours, but uh, I'm afraid other people need the studio. Um, but uh, I'm going to play another Rolling Stones track, as everybody said. Um, the Rolling Stones was important to him and you got another um, opportunity to jab your fingers uh, Daniel and Carleen <laughs> doing your impression of Carlo doing the impression of Mick Jagger this is I Can't Get No Satisfaction Yes, the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. 
Yes, one of the tracks that uh, King Carl used to do his impression of uh, Mick Jagger with, uh, or two. Um, so, uh, my name's Simon Field. I'm here in the studio with Mark Gorman, uh, Daniel Carlson, and Carleen Carlson, who are Daniel and Carleen are the children of King Carlo, who we're here doing a tribute show with, um, to or about. And the reason we're doing that is because um, uh, King Carlo, who I said was born in 1945, uh, sadly passed away. Uh, in uh, December, the 30th of December in 2019. So, um, Carleen or Daniel, what exactly happened, uh, you know, t- towards the end? Uh, what was um, what was Carlo diagnosed with and when? So, he was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2006, no, 15, uh, December 2015. Yeah. Um, it was on his speech and language part of his brain, um, so they couldn't operate, but still rem- he still remained determined to carry on with life as normal. Um, he he had it for four years, and they said that's a long time. But I think it was his persistence, uh, determination to just carry on going. Um, and I remember the year. The year before he passed away, I, I remember him saying, you cannot do a DJ set. Um, I think he was trying to buy a new piece of equipment because he sold it, but he really wanted to do a, a DJ uh, set. Christmas for, Eve. For, yeah, for New, New Year's Eve, sorry. New Year's Eve. Mm. Uh, he promised someone, and I said, no, you can't do it. You're ill. You're not well. Um so it's just ironic that he passed away December the 30th. And um, I remember Sarah, um, a charity shop manager uh, for Car- uh, Cancer Research Wales, she said, he's just gone to put those glitter pants on and <laughs> and he's going to be doing a show tomorrow night. And, and this was in hospital, was it, he was doing? He said this. Was he actually trying to put the boots on in hospital or was he at home at this time? So, yeah, the the year before he was in hospital. Oh, right. OK. Yeah. He he was running around trying to find, yeah, I trying to find yeah. equipment. Um, but then a year down the line, he passed away at that time. Yeah. Um, so he he will be in those pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he will be in those shoes. <laughs> yes. Uh, right, and so um, I know it was the case that uh, for the last couple of years, although you know he was uh, he had been diagnosed with brain cancer and it was yeah. affecting him, um, that's when uh, Howard Watt, who uh, was attended the same church as uh, Carlo, uh, started to bring him to to do his radio show and to <laughs> attend the Radio Glamorgan meetings as well. Yeah, um, he was an amazing friend to to Dad and. Um, Dad used to pull him, pull him along. <laughs> mm. um, he, he used to, uh, he he actually used to go to all his hospital appointments as well. So mm. he used to do all the admin side to his life, I guess, um, because he wasn't able to talk well or write. Or letters. write. Mm. He wasn't able to put his diary together. Mm. So he had a great friend in Howard, and um, and I think Howard just loved the character he was, and. Um, and saw the passion that he still had, um, even though he was disabled from this um, 
illness. Yeah. He was very much, no, I need to do it. I need to do it. I have to do it. So uh, I'm going to uh, bring this tribute to a close with the tribute that uh, Howard has given to me. Um, so it says, uh, this is from Howard Watt, uh, there are so many adjectives that could be used to describe my friend Carlo King, but those that stand out in my mind when I think of them are kind, generous, thoughtful, reliable, loyal, energetic and funny. Time and time again I saw all these traits in his character in the short time that I knew him. Loyalty and reliability, those traits were shown on a regular basis and particularly when he was involved in volunteering as a presenter for Radio Glamorgan and as a volunteer for two, charity, for two charities. His work at Radio Glamorgan was very important to him and he really missed presenting his show on Monday evenings between 8 and 10. He was always keen to attend as many of the volunteers' meetings as he could as well as the other uh, Radio Glamorgan organised uh, events. Towards the end of his life, whilst he was still undergoing some rather gruelling treatment, I was utterly surprised when he said he still wanted to present his radio show. He had such commitment and loyalty to everything that he took on. He always presented an energetic persona to his listeners. His zest and enthusiasm were always evident. I suppose you could say his zest for life never really left him. As a volunteer with two charities, Bernardo's in Pontypridd and Cancer Research Wales in Llantrisant, Carlos spent a day a week in each of their shops. He never wanted to be on the shop front in either, but he was happy to be in the back rooms, dealing with bags of donations and sorting their contents. He was never happier than when he was giving his time and energy for the benefit of others. He also loved being a customer in charity shops, and to tell you the truth, <laughs> I think we heard this before. To tell you the truth, he could not pass a charity shop without going in. There was nothing that he liked better than foraging through the goods there, and he really left without buying something. On one occasion, I recall that he came home with a trombone, <laughs> and I think we heard a bit of that story earlier. But he was all—he was more often looking for useful items to give to other people. I think you mentioned that earlier as well, mm -hmm. didn't you, Connie? He was generous and kind-hearted and was always looking out for musical items for me and my family. I treasure a paper clamp that he gave me. It's made up of two wooden carved and polished treble clefts with a metal clamp mechanism between them, beautiful and practical, which has pride of place on my desk at home. Carlo also loved buying and occasionally selling paintings. I used to enjoy accompanying him to the auction house in Panath and watching the proceedings. Carlo had a strong, long-standing Christian faith, which was very important to him, and was often to be found on Sunday mornings in Whitchurch Methodist uh, Church at uh, and morning service and in social gatherings held there on weekdays. He was always cheerful and positive, and in spite of his health problems, always trying to make the best of his situation, often through humour. He also had the knack of being able to strike up a conversation with many different sorts of people and endearing himself to them. Carlo was a very good friend to me um, and to my family, and he is greatly missed by us all. It was a great honour for me to be asked by Carlin and Daniel to play the organ in Carlo's funeral. So um, thank you uh, very much to uh, Howard Watt for mm -hmm. that. Um, and Lovely tribute. Says, yeah, so all the very best to you, dear friend, is uh, what he finishes with. Um, so yes that's about it um, thank you very much to uh, Mark, Daniel and uh, Carleen and um, it's been a fantastic uh, occasion I'm very privileged to have been here myself as uh, as I was the uh, the first Radio Club presenter that's still with us who actually uh, met 
uh, Carlo and uh, the memories. I think he is one of those people that, um, you know, memories of him uh, will uh, stay with you. And um, there's one story that I, I hadn't mentioned, but uh, I suppose it's almost appropriate to mention. When we were talking about um, the, the way he used to divide up parts of his life and, you know, put it ones in different compartments and they didn't used to cross over much. Um, Howard's mentioned uh, Carlo's love of art mm. and uh, my wife Wendy for a time worked, uh, this is all going back about three years ago, she worked at the Martin Tinney Gallery yeah. um, and we got invited uh, because she worked there to a, to a private view and so I turned up and with with the private views there's a bit of wine and you know maybe a bit of cheese and stuff <laughs> and everybody's milling around looking at paintings and um, he saw um, Carlo there and Vanessa and um, so I said oh and it was like I was with Wendy and we went over and uh, I said oh hi Carlo as she said oh hi Clive and <laughs> we both looked at each other and I said why are you calling him Clive? And it was like, oh, why are you calling him Carlo? And uh, it was, it Different was, yeah, personas. because she knew him through uh, through the um, through the art gallery, and I knew him uh, through Radio Glamorgan. Um, but that was just a story I thought would uh, fit in nicely uh, at the end. Um, thanks very much again to Mark, Carleen, and Daniel. And I'm going to finish with uh, this track because um, the last time I saw Carlo uh, alive, he was in a hospital bed here at the University Hospital of Wales. And um, he was starting, or he was at, at the time, because of his condition, not always aware of his surroundings. But he would, he, he would, there, there would be times when he knew who you were and where you were. And I said, uh, Carlo, do you want me to play a uh, track for you? And he said, yeah. And we were going through various artists and we agreed on uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers which he, he said uh, uh, he really liked and um, just seeing uh, what Howard Watts um, wrote about uh, Carlo's uh, faith I thought I'd play this track uh, One Love because uh, it says uh, give th thanks and praise to the Lord and we will be all right my name's Simon Field this has been our tribute to King Carlo I'm going to leave you with Bob Marley and the Whalers and One Love
fight is holy, I'm a Gideon. One love. So when the man comes, there will be. 